The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Well, here we are. The final hour of the six hour Opelka Marathon, the Pure Opelka Thon, as it's been known to some of the cognoscenti on the Twitter. You know, it's been a lot of fun this week. I've had a great time in Dallas. Uh, Of course, you miss home. But uh, it's been a very, very educational process here, meeting the people who push the buttons every day and talking to them face-to-face and getting a little little extra help. So I'm, I'm appreciative of it. But as we enter this last hour, there's still a lot of work to do. And the phones are open, 888-933-93. 888-900-3393. We are uh, 40, 40 so minutes away from an expected news conference with President Trump and the Romanian president. And nobody's going to ask questions about Romania. Nobody cares. Just calm down, people. And offer the guy an apology. We're going to want to know, are there tapes? Are there tapes? Because Comey kind of said yesterday, Lordy, I hope there are tapes. <laughs> I, I want to know if there are tapes too. Brian Stelter at CNN wants to know if the president will testify under oath. And what is Jeff Sessions' fate? Would it be weird? Sessions gives up his job as a senator. He had a pretty comfy gig as a senator. He was pretty well established as a senator. And he gives it up to take on this this position on the cabinet. And then if he loses that, can he jump back in? Because I believe there is a special election coming up for his seat. Can he jump back in and, and get that back? I'm asking for a friend. There's some breaking news that just came out. And, um, and I think it's kind of ticking me off a little bit. I kind of feel the need to rage a little bit. This is breaking news out of Switzerland, where the International Olympic Committee has sent us some some very important news. Shamat, you know, I think I need to get wound up. You got something that'll help me uh, cut loose a little bit? Got just what you need, man. Okay. 
Do rich people treat you like you're a nobody? Yes! Why are you putting barbed wire in that fence, huh? Just some kind of joke? Just how you, you rich people amuse yourself? You put barbed wire all over the fence? Is your entertainment not really amusing? Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Well, you, my friends, suffer from opelkiness. Or in layman's terms, pure outrage. But don't worry, because you're not alone. And here on the Blaze Radio Network, we welcome it. So without further ado, here's the craziest man on the Blaze and the ringleader of pure outrage, Mike Opelka on Pure Opelka. That boy's good. Mm-hmm. Good and terrible. He good. He must be crazy. I don't know how I feel about that. I think I'm going to rage about that. I'm not exactly sure what you're saying about me. The craziest man on the on the blaze. I'll show you. Cra- oh, I'm proving you right, aren't I? So this news just comes out of out of Switzerland, where the International Olympic Committee has released the list of of all the new events and whatever events are going to happen in the um, the upcoming Tokyo Olympics. I think that's 2020. Yeah, the 2020 Olympic program has been put out. Now, cor- correct me if I'm wrong, but intramural sports ended in high school and college. Intramurals end the minute you either get out of high school or you get out of college. But apparently, the Olympics have become the intramural sports Around the world. We now have an intramural league. We now, instead of the five-on-five basketball, we're now going to have three-on-three basketball. As well as, I believe, five-on-five basketball. They're going to have eight teams for men and women. Eight teams for men and women. There's going to be, uh, now this is, uh, I don't understand what Madison races are. I'm, I've looked it up, tried to find out what the heck Madison races are on, on track cycling. Because, you know, they have the velodrome with the uh, banked corners, that really fast bike racing. But they said Madison racing. I don't know. They're going to add men's and women's Madison races. I don't know what that is. Swimming is going to add a men's 800-meter freestyle and a women's 1,500-meter freestyle. Yeah, big deal. Now, here's where it gets interesting, and this is where I think we've finally gotten into this uh, intramural Olympics, and maybe that's what we should call it, the new intramural Olympics. They're going to start something called the Mixed Medley Relays in swimming, and there will be mixed relays in track as well. So we now are going to have men's swimming events, women's swimming events, and then there will be events that will be mixed gender. Now, what are you saying? Does that mean transgender? No, 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 no. I think the transgender Olympics are still a couple of years away, but trust me, they're coming. There's going to be a whole transgender games that have to happen just because. But in this case... You're going to have, for example, on the 4 by 100 meter mixed medley, you're going to have to have two men swimming and two women swimming. And then the same thing in the, uh, in the 15, I think in the 4 by 400 meter relay on the track. So you're going to have to have two men running and two women running. 
Now, they don't say, because I think this is all new and it's all coming out, they're still kind of probably working it out. Is every one of these going to have a a man as the anchor? Will you have to? Is it getting to be like softball? If you ever played co-ed softball, you have to have uh, how many? You have to have certain numbers of women on the mound or on the field in certain positions. I think the pitchers all had to be women. I can't remember. So now it really is becoming intramural sports. And what is the cost here? They've said that they had to cut some things. So weightlifting is going to have 64 fewer events. 64, I'm sorry, 64 fewer athletes. Wrestling is going to lose 56 places. Sailing and shooting will each lose 30. Swimming will have 22 fewer. Uh, these are these are decisions made uh, at the Olympic Committee, the IOC. They expect, you see here, 48.8% of all the athletes in Tokyo to be female. So in order to have fairness, we have added events which will include men and women. Now, I thought the idea was to have men compete against women. But now we're, I guess that's where this is headed. But I, I'm, I'm officially at, off on the three-on-three basketball. To me, that's playground basketball. That's, it's not the same thing. So I'm a no vote on three-on-three basketball. And I know a lot of you are saying, oh, Mike, why, why can't you go with a little change? No, leave basketball alone. Just leave it, leave it be. Five on five. So what's next? Are we going to have three on three hockey in the Winter Olympics? Is that going to happen then? Are we going to play that game? But I don't, I don't, I don't know, Olympic Committee. I, I'm, I'm of the opinion that, you know, we just, we just got to, did they take, here's the, here's the big thing. Did they take golf out? Shamont is saying, please, please take golf out. And I'm saying, no, leave golf in. We're going to have to fight on this one. Leave golf in. If you're going to add anything, if we're going to do what you're doing here, if you're going to do Olympics, what you're trying to do here with three-on-three basketball and co-ed racing, that's good. let's just call it co-ed racing. Let's not call it mixed. Is that what they're calling it? Mixed medleys. Let's just call it co-ed. Co-ed swimming, co-ed racing. Yes, Shimon. I have to interrupt you right quick, Mike. Yes. Because I'm getting kind of irritated. Now, you're telling me that <laughs> they're actually going to give real gold medals. It's going to be like the, the, the gold-plated chocolates medals. Well, so, now that's a very interesting point. I, now you're trying to diminish these co-ed Olympics, aren't you? <laughs> so if, if your Olympic medal, if you here's, here's the other thing I have about the Olympics. If you're competing against the best athletes of your gender in your sport, I think, I think your medal size should be in direct proportion to the difficulty of your sport. You know, so example, for example, let's go to the Winter Olympics, Shimon. If you're if you're throwing those irons on the on the ice, if you're curling, you know what do they do? They they push something. It's a bar game. It's like puck bowling at the bar. 
that gold medal is the same size as the medal of the guy who jumps off a 90-meter ramp into the sky. You shouldn't get the same size gold medal for pushing a little piece of iron on the ice and the guy who sweeps in front of it, the guy who's running ahead and sweeping, gets the same gold medal as the guy who launches his body down a ramp into the sky, flies hundreds of feet into the sky, risking life and limb. They get the same gold medal. Doesn't seem right. So Olympics, let's fix it. Let's stay out of intramural sports and let's fix it so that the sport you're competing in, the degree of difficulty, the human athletic difficulty of the sport should match the size of the medal you get. So if you're lifting 4,000 pounds of weight or whatever it is in the weight lift, you should get a much bigger medal than the person who's sweeping the ice in front of, in front of the little iron that's walking down. Your shuffleboard. On the ice. I know it's Canada's big sport, so everybody should calm down. I'm sorry, Canada. It's not really a sport. I better take a take a break. Michael Pelka. I'm I gotta calm down. It's just the Olympics. I the Olympics might be over for me. Especially if they eliminate golf. And don't tell me they eliminated tennis. Is tennis over? I think it was a demonstration sport. I think they took it out. I want to go see Riley play tennis. By the way, there's a Riley update after the break, too. This is Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. CNN, I know you're listening. It's blue. We have blue underwear on today. At 30 minutes after we talk about Kirsten Gillibrand, CNN's covering the same story. They didn't have it earlier. Now they got it. I know you're listening. It's blue underwear, just in case you're wondering, CNN. Uh, we will be keeping an eye on the, the press conference if it's going to happen. We're also going to learn about Mothman. Because we talked about these sightings in Chicago yesterday uh, about this strange winged creature that people are saying resembles Mothman. So we are going to attempt to learn more about Mothman. I know what you're saying, Mike. um, What's in your cup? What's in the cup? Well, we're going to talk about Mothman. If you want to do a little bit of homework ahead of time, uh, the Mothman of Mount Pleasant is where you can find out about it. But uh, Point Pleasant, Mount Pleasant. Sorry, Point Pleasant. Thank you. The Mothman of Point Pleasant. We're going to dive deep on that. Uh, A couple of other things dangling out there as we wrap up this weekend. We were just talking about the new... new, Olympic Games uh, in Japan in 2020 and the announcement of all the new sports. And, of course, this audience responds quicker than anybody talking about uh, the fact that I said, you know, eventually we're going to have trans games. People who were born something and are now 
uh, declaring or claiming something else, whether they actually changed or didn't change or whatever. I'm I'm predicting trans games. And uh, Toby writes, a cynic would suspect that the gay games would be affected by the eventual trans games. Too few participants, too many games. I see what you did there. I absolutely see what you did there. But uh, we were talking in the studio, and people don't realize that, yes, there have been gay games, Olympic events, or sporting events, for, I think it's been 30-plus years. And there are many countries, something like 70 different countries attend the gay games. The next gay games are being held in, in Paris in 2018. I don't think Iran will be sending a team. Something tells me Iran and Russia won't be sending a team. Uh, a lot of Muslim-based countries won't be sending teams to the gay games. So uh, you won't be seeing that. But just interesting to note that this audience is on top of everything. This audience understands everything we're doing. Okay, now where was I? Where was we? Oh, we're waiting on uh, the update on the Trump press conference that's supposed to happen. Uh, we are waiting on the statement to come from Rex Tillerson because he's he's making some statements. Um, there was another story that, oh, this is the story that I, I wanted to hit you with. The accused NSA leaker, uh, the, the one I like to call real winner, her name is Reality Winner, uh, she was denied bail today. She had a bail hearing. This 25-year-old who had gotten a security clearance inside the National Security Agency and uh, apparently didn't think she would be in any kind of trouble because, as she told one of her, I think it was a sister or a friend, she would just braid her hair and look cute, and that'd be the way she would get out of, uh, oh, oh, this is what she told her sister in a phone call. How is she going to act in court? I'm pretty, white, and cute. That was her defense. Or that was her plan to get out. Prosecutors also said that Winner told family members to transfer $30,000 from her account into her mother's account so she would appear to be poor enough for a court-appointed attorney. Can, can you imagine? Can you imagine the, I was going to say the balls, but obviously this, this young lady is not identifying or made that change yet. 25 years old, you had national security clearance. You are accused of leaking classified NSA documents. Oh, and we also, according to a CBS News report, learned that this young lady wanted to burn the White House down. Didn't Madonna say that too? Yeah. At the big march, the women's march. But uh, she got no bail. She pled not guilty to charges that she illegally retained and transmitted secret information, national defense information. And uh, that crime, that federal crime, carries a maximum penalty of 10 years in prison. I believe this lady's a flight risk. I believe this lady is a risk to the security of the nation. 
I believe that uh, I'm, I'm very happy she's not going to be getting bail. She wrote, again, I want to burn down the White House, find somewhere in Kurdistan to live. Ha ha. You can laugh about it all you want right now, little missy, you little real winner. Laughing out the other side of your face eventually when you get into prison. The government says, um, according to the court documents, the government is not in any way suggesting she has become a jihadist or a sympathizer to the Taliban. I think she's just a progressive who's trying to bring down the, the Trump organization. More details on this as the trial progresses. When we get back, let's talk Mothman, shall we? What's going on? It's craziness. It's Friday. It's pure old Pelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. You know, 14 weeks ago, if I was here in Texas, if I had been here 14 weeks ago before I started using all-natural relief factor, I would have walked into my hotel where I'm staying and said, I'm sorry, I can't climb three flights of stairs to my room. I'm staying at one of those extended stay places. They don't have elevators, and it's got three flights of stairs to the room I was assigned I would have said, no, I can't do it. My knees are killing me. My hips are killing me. And I bounded up those steps this week like a much younger Michael Pelka because I take breakfast, lunch, and dinner relief factor. It's packaged, so you just put them in your bags. You take them at breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and they they reduce the inflammation. I don't ever take over-the-counter prescription or over-the-counter pain relief or prescription pain relief All I take is all-natural relief factor. That's what causes the pain, the inflammation. Remove the inflammation, remove the pain, and get back to your life. Call them. Triple, I'm I'm sorry, it's not triple eight. It's 800-500-8384. 800-500-8384. I guess it doesn't work on remembering numbers. Uh, Or go to relieffactor.com. Relieffactor.com. Get the... Three-week quick start pack for $19.95. Tell them Mike sent you, relieffactor.com. I talked yesterday about the fact that my old hometown, Chicago, Illinois, has had a rash of sightings of a strange bat-like creature. And um, there are people in, in the Chicago area who have described the creature, and there are, there are others around... The world who have said, around the country, have said, that, that sounds like Mothman. And I'm like, Mothman? I don't know anything about Mothman. But I guess there is a creature, a creature named Mothman that's out there in the world, or rumored to be out there in the world. The Mothman of Mount Pleasant to some people. Is it real? Point Pleasant. I keep wanting to say Mount Pleasant. Everybody's yelling in my ear. It's Point Pleasant. Point Pleasant. But it's Mothman just the same. 
there's a documentary that just came out, brand new documentary, called The Mothman of Point Pleasant. And the guy behind it has joined us to talk to us about it. But let me just give you a little, little taste of the trailer. Sounds this cute. might seem like just another folktale. It begins like so many rural legends. But unlike stories told to children to keep them inside after dark, this particular encounter was real. I'm scared. I'm very scared. It very slowly and precisely walked towards us. We heard it walk. It walked right up and, and just stayed on the dark side of the state line. Did you notice any red eyes or anything at the time? It got to the point where the National Guard had to step in and control the amount of people that were coming into the TNT area. So this is the trailer, which I'll tweet out a link to this because I'm fascinated with stuff like this. But the guy behind it is on the phone with us to uh, discuss this documentary. Seth Breedlove, a filmmaker, a guy who has written, edited, produced, and directed all kinds of shorts and features. But today... Today, Seth joins us to talk about this one, the latest one. Hello, sir. Welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me on. I love documentaries. I absolutely love documentaries because I always feel like I'm getting a chance to see, not, not, that, not that, you know, fantasy films aren't fun, but I love people that dive into a story and give us a, a, very, a very unvarnished, I, I guess, an unvarnished telling of a story. How did you become involved with the Mothman story? Um, actually, the there was a Richard Gere movie called The Mothman Prophecies that came out in 2002, and that was my introduction to the Mothman story. Um, and it was a story I was always really fascinated with and did, did a moderate amount of research into, um, so much so that when we were kind of prepping for this movie, I thought I'd... I knew everything is kind of what I, I believed anyway. And then when I, when I started really delving into all the different aspects of the story, I realized I knew nothing uh, about, <laughs> about the many facets to the, the Mothman uh, phenomenon. So it's, it's a story that has, um, you know, a decades worth of, of research that could be put into it. And uh, some people have done that. So it's, it's for me, it's of, of all these stories we've covered these like small town monster case stories. This is the one that is the, the biggest, it's kind of the granddaddy of all those tales. Well, it comes from originally from back in 1966 when kids apparently said they saw this creature and Mm -hmm. then people, I guess, came flocking to the area in West Virginia. Yeah. I mean, and and honestly, if you look at a lot of these like rural monster sightings, like people seeing Bigfoot or whatever their local monster is, that's kind of the pattern these stories follow. But um, I'm just not aware of one that exploded in kind of the, at least in the regional eye, um, like it did down in, in West Virginia, because I mean, it, it's like, like you heard in the trailer, they literally had to call in the National Guard to monitor how many people were, were kind of traversing this one um, 8,000 acre uh, stretch of property looking to kill a, a Mothman. Oh, they and wanted they, to kill the Mothman. 
I think I think more than likely, in fact, there's a line in the movie where the guy, where, where, where the local tourism director is talking about what it was like at the time, and he said that people only had two questions. One was, can we kill it? And two was, <laughs> if there's more than one, can we kill two? <laughs> I love this. I mm-hmm. love the tone of this. And when I look at some of the, the footage of the people and you, you look at the time, 1966, I'm reminded of some of the the footage from the original George Romero classic Night of the Living Dead which mm-hmm. that this this happened around the same time that movie was shot. Yep. So you wonder if if we were prone to this kind of hysteria. Now uh, we're talking to Seth Breedlove. He's the guy behind The Mothman of Point Pleasant. It's uh, from Small Town Monster Films. You can look at smalltownmonsters.com and learn more about it. Uh, this is on Amazon. Is that what I'm saying? We can get it on uh, via Amazon. Yeah, it's that's kind of our big streaming platform right now. It was the number one new release in the horror genre over the weekend, um, so it's it's kind of blown up on there right now. We love that. I, I like I said, I'm a documentarian freak. I love talking to documentarians. Uh, I have a brother-in-law who makes a documentary every now and then, but his are his aren't as fun as yours. His his are more boring. <laughs> But but this kind of stuff, which uh, I, I can't wait to see it. And in the midst of it, Seth, are people still going back? Is there is there a uh, sort of an annual pilgrimage to the site? Does Mothman have an ongoing discussion among the, the locals? So Point Pleasant is home to the what is known as the world's only Mothman Museum, which was uh, is actually curated by a guy named Jeff Wamsley, who had a, a part in helping to get our movie made. Um, Jeff runs this incredibly detailed little museum dedicated to the Mothman history and and kind of the history of Point Pleasant as well. And then there's there's an annual festival in Point Pleasant, a Mothman festival, which is, if I'm not mistaken, it is the second largest festival in the state of West Virginia. Last year, they attracted well over 12,000 people to the festival. So it's a a massive kind of event there in Point Pleasant. And I think the Mothman, honestly, for whatever reason, I I feel like that is a a story and a legend and a folktale or folklore, however you want to view it. It is, it's, it's a story that people seem to be growing more and more aware of as time goes on, instead of kind of losing it, you know, to history, this story seems to actually be kind of gaining some prominence. Well, is it, is it in any way, shape or form uh, changing or growing? Is there exaggeration being attached to it? Are we pretty much sticking with the basic facts? And I'm, I'm using air quotes of the initial reports from 1966. I mean, our film is solely letting you know the story from 66 and 67 in in the words of the people who who lived it. And then you can decide for yourself whether you you think they were, you know, there was a mass hysteria or or some sort of weird government experiment. You can kind of make up your mind. Uh, But but definitely, I think over the years, there has been a tendency, especially in like mainstream media coverage of the story to kind of blow some things out of proportion and. And obviously there is a folklore aspect here where over over time the story kind of takes on a life of its own and, and you know, people who may have never had any actual 
uh, encounter with the creature, start adding their stories to the to the Mothman legend <laughs> and that kind of thing. Yeah, if Brian Williams starts talking about his experience with Mothman, I'm going to be dubious. I hate to say that. Uh, now, have you seen the reports out of Chicago of a Mothman-like creature? Yeah, I get I get updates from a guy named Lon Strickler who's actually investigating those. He's the guy that created. I don't know if you've seen it, but there's like a map online yes. uh, tracking the sightings, and yep. that's actually Lon's map. Um, and Lon has been tracking those sightings for the last couple months. It's fascinating. I'll tell you what: we were accused originally of fabricating those Mothman sightings to promote our documentary, and I uh, all I had to say to that was, "I wish I was that smart. I, I never came up with that." But Isn't it funny? I, people, yeah. people will accuse you of putting Mothman in costumes around a major metropolitan area in order to promote yeah. your documentary. If, if I had if I had the budget for that, I would have had uh, some better effects in my movie. That's, that's, that's exactly where I was going. I was going to say, if you had the budget to pay for costume <laughs> creatures to crawl around <laughs> Chicago, uh, this wouldn't be the kind of... A raw documentary that we usually see. You know, I know what I know the constraints of budgets that documentarians work under. Well, I'm I'm fascinated by the story. I definitely know where I'm going when I get back home, and that's to uh, Amazon to watch this, The Mothman of Point Pleasant. I'll tweet out a link to the trailer. It's also on the uh, YouTube account of Small Town Monsters. Uh, Seth Breedlove, one more question before you get out of here. Uh, any relation to the, the speed demon, Craig Breedlove, the, the guy that I used to watch as a kid break land records, speed, land speed record holder. Yeah. He is, he is a distant cousin from what I've been told. Okay. All right. Well, that's, so, that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> well, that's, that's enough, but I sure appreciate you joining the show today and fascinated by the topic. Can't wait to see it. Uh, I hope you keep us posted. If you end up going to Chicago to try and find the Mothman of Chicago, I'll I'll be dying to hear about it. Yeah, that's the sequel. Thanks so uh, much good. for having me on. Thank you, sir. Have a great weekend. There he goes, uh, Craig Breedlove, the guy behind the documentary The Mothman of Point Pleasant. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, maybe Donald Trump will pop out into the Rose Garden. If he is, we'll see if we can get one of the questions or two. I, I don't know if we're going to be. He's not coming out until 3 o'clock East Coast time. We'll see. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. You know, life is about having a good crew. Success in life is about having a good crew. And I'm in here yakking about something and Shamont just saved me. I almost sounded like a dope. Thank you, Shamont. Appreciate you. I'm trying to keep an eye on Donald Trump and his news conference that's just kicking off and I don't think we're going to be able to go to it because we're we're almost out of here today and uh, I wanted to make sure that this audience if you weren't here for the Glenn Beck program this audience heard from me about the Bush Center I went by the Bush Center yesterday and I had a quite an experience quite an emotional experience uh, George W Bush has an exhibit of paintings 
that are a tribute to America's wounded warriors. It's called Portraits of Courage. And there are more than 90 of them that George Bush painted in one year. Uh, It is on display. I have tweeted out some of the pictures that I took yesterday. But I will tell you, the, the portraits, which show an incredible skill from a guy who didn't, didn't spend time painting until after he left the White House. And they show an amazing ability to capture the emotion of these men and women who fought to protect our freedom. George Bush, in his own words, said in, in this book, I painted these men and women as a way to honor their service to the country and to show my respect for their sacrifice and courage. I hope to draw attention to the challenges some face when they come home and transition to civilian life and the need for our country to better address them. He also said, I'm not sure how this art in this volume will hold up to the critical eyes. After all, I'm a novice. Well, sir, what you've done here is is brilliant and wonderful and beautiful. He calls it a tribute to the men and women who volunteered many in the years after 9-11 to defend our country. And he says, I intend to salute and support them for the rest of my life. God bless you, George Bush. Thank you for what you did. Thank you for putting this together. You, you all should go to uh, thebushcenter.org. And if you're in the, the area, make a trip. It's, it's stunning. And with that, I'll just say testudo, my friends. Testudo. Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. On the Blaze Radio Network. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn. It was popular to be down and hurt about America and American exceptionalism when Obama was in office. But now all of a sudden your guy is in power, whether it was George Bush or Donald Trump.